This weekend marks the centenary of Dublin's Bloody Sunday, or as the British referred to it as Black Sunday during the Anglo-Irish War. The day began when 15 men were shot dead, many of them intelligence agents who were systematically targeted for their effectiveness at disrupting the IRA's war. Given the pattern of the conflict, it was highly likely that a reprisal would follow. As it transpired, one did arrive in brutal fashion at Croke Park during a Dublin versus Tipperary GAA football game. Security forces turned up at the ground and engaged the crowd and some players with gunfire resulting in the deaths of 14 civilians. By the end of the day, 32 people had been killed in Dublin in what has become one of the most notorious episodes in Irish history. The events of Bloody Sunday are well documented if less well agreed upon, and they will no doubt receive substantial coverage in the coming days. However, I want to use the centenary to share the story of another event from that day, one that has been understandably overshadowed by the events in Dublin. Hang on, Rosie. Clean sheets, I think. To the sound of church bells at 9am on Sunday morning of 21st of November 1920, as the IRA's Bloody Sunday hit squads moved towards their 15 victims. A desperate search for an East Belfast military man was underway in a remote area of County Cork. Born in Middletown, County Armagh, Captain Joseph Thompson was the son of Mr Joseph Thompson, who lived at Ardnagrina, Knock Road, in East Belfast. Captain Thompson had served as a commissioned officer in the First World War with the Manchester Regiment and despite being hospitalised with wounds in 1917, he survived the war. Thompson had been a student at Queen's University in Belfast before he took up teaching as a profession. Then, for three years, he was a senior science master at Methodist College before moving to Winchester where he took up a similar role. 
When the First World War broke out in August 1914, he immediately volunteered himself and subsequently received a commission in the Manchester Regiment. During the war, he served for a year in Salonika from 1915, before being posted to France with his battalion in May 1917, where he served out the remainder of the war. His time in France saw him promoted to temporary major, but also twice wounded, including on one occasion, which was reported by the Belfast Newsletter in November 1917. Joseph's younger brother, Ernest, had also served in the war, though he did so with the 14th Royal Irish Rifles in the 36th Ulster Division. Both Ernest and Joseph Thompson are commemorated today on a memorial at Newton Breda Presbyterian Church for their war service. In the months that followed the Great War, those which led to partition in Ireland, the political situation had descended into a guerrilla-style IRA campaign in the south, as well as in areas of Ulster, and a sectarian firefight in the north, particularly in Belfast, but also in Londonderry. Captain Thompson had chosen to remain in the military as a career and, as such, was transferred to the regular army. His battalion returned to England and were stationed in Aldershot until March 1920 when they were redeployed to the south of Ireland. The 1st Battalion Manchester Regiment were stationed in Kilworth Camp near Fermoy before moving to Ballancolig, County Cork, in July 1920, where the IRA's violence was, at times, particularly intense. The battalion's role at Ballancolig was to guard an ordnance store which had been receiving some undesirable attention from the IRA in the area. The IRA had been engaged in ambushes and raids on security forces up and down the country in their quest for weaponry to fuel the armed campaign against the British. The IRA brigades in the rebel county were, in many ways, the cutting edge of the entire military campaign. It's no surprise then that from 1919 to 1921, County Cork was the most violent county in Ireland. And incidentally, Belfast was the most violent city. During the autumn of 1920, security forces attempted to curtail increased IRA violence in Cork City by raiding homes, setting up pedestrian and vehicle checkpoints, and conducting door-to-door searches within cordoned areas. To try and discourage support for the IRA, they also engaged in reprisals intended to damage the local economy. Such attacks escalated in the latter part of November 1920. Then, on Saturday the 20th of November 1920, Captain Joseph Thompson, who was the battalion's acting intelligence officer at the time, left the military barracks in Ballancolig on his military-issue motorcycle, apparently to visit a house in the Macroom area. Later that evening, it was noted that Thompson had not returned to the barracks at Ballancolig, though due to his role as intelligence officer, it did not cause much alarm. The next morning, Sunday the 21st November, Thompson still had not returned, and a search party was sent out to the house at McCroom. However, it quickly transpired that Thompson had never been there. This was now a cause for concern for the army, even more so when they received information that on the evening of the 20th, a boy who had been returning from Cork to Ballancolig was warned not to proceed along the road, as an officer had been kidnapped in the vicinity. Another search party was quickly dispatched, but without any success. Except, that is, for the acquisition of information suggesting that a cart had been used to block the road and facilitate the kidnapping. The owner of the cart was subsequently arrested, but he insisted that he knew nothing of the incident. Then, 
on Monday the 22nd of November, the dead body of an officer was found lying in a turnip field near Bishopstown. It was identified as Captain Joseph Thompson. He had been murdered. On his journey, Thompson had ridden into an IRA ambush, where he was captured and executed at Model Farm Road between Ballancolleg and Cork City. Two auxiliary intelligence officers had gone missing in the same area two weeks previously, and this may have been the reason why Thompson was in the location. News reports suggesting that he had been riddled with bullets and that the IRA had poured bullets into his body were misleading and actually missed the point of what had taken place that evening. Thompson had been blindfolded and shot twice in the head at close range. This was an execution. But why? It seems that Thompson had become something of a hate figure among members of the 3rd Battalion Cork No. 1 Brigade. According to the Bureau of Military History Witness Statement of Timothy Hurley and seven other members of this IRA unit, Thompson, quote, used to go into shops and houses in Ballancolleg village, brandishing a revolver and saying that if anything happened to him, the village would go up. But he was caught at Carragrahane on his motorbike and shot dead, his arms and bikes being taken. It continued. Captain Thompson was shot dead by Leo Murphy and two other volunteers on the Model Farm Road. He had previously raided Leo Murphy's mother's house. He was drunk at the time and boasted that he was out to get all IRA leaders as he had got the leaders in Egypt. He treated Rose Murphy very roughly and this helped to cause her early death. When captured, he tried to save himself by informing the captors that a ceasefire was coming and that Ireland was getting Dominion Home Rule. He said that he had this from Dublin Castle. The special pleading didn't work, however, uh, and he was shot dead out of hand. End of quote. Indeed, the Cork IRA were particularly audacious when it came to targeting the security forces. Quoting historian John Borgonovo, In 1920 and 1921, Cork volunteers riddled Major General Strickland's automobile with bullets, shot dead Brigadier General Cumming during a convoy ambush, kidnapped Brigadier General Lucas while he fished, assassinated RIC Divisional Commander uh, Smith as he sipped brandy in the Cork Country Club, and killed his successor, Divisional Commander Holmes, in another roadside ambush. Captain Thompson's funeral took place on 26th of November 1920. It began with a service in the family home at Ardnagrina, Knock Road, which was conducted by the Reverend Dr. McDermott of Belmont Presbyterian Church. McDermott himself had lost a son during the Great War. Following the service in which McDermott offered his sympathies to the bereaved family, the military cortege made its way to Belfast City Cemetery on the Falls Road, led by bands from the Norfolk Regiment and the Royal Irish Constabulary. As it proceeded along the Newtonard Road, staff from the Belfast Rope Works at Conswater were given permission to take a break from their work in order that they could witness uh, and pay uh, their respects. In Belfast City Centre, prominent buildings including Belfast City Hall dipped the Union flag to half-mast, while clusters of sympathisers lined the city's streets. Among the mourners at the graveside were the Lord Mayor of Belfast, William Frederick Coates, along with representatives of the RIC and the Ulster Unionist Council. At the close of the service, a firing party discharged three volleys of shots over the grave, 
followed by the sounding of the last post by military buglers. On their return journey from the city cemetery, it was reported that the army became involved in a disturbance with local youths on the Falls Road. The Belfast newsletter suggested that insults and stones were exchanged, as well as some reports of revolver fire. Following the killing of Captain Thompson, there were successive nights of violence in Cork from the 23rd of November, the day after Thompson's body was found, until the 2nd of December, when alleged members of the security forces set fire to seven Sinn Féin meeting halls and 13 other premises in the city of Cork. The arson campaign culminated in the infamous burning of Cork on the 11th of December 1920. Thompson's story does not end there though, as the IRA's Leo Murphy was later killed on the 27th of June 1921 during a military raid at a pub in Waterfall after being accurately identified as having played a leading role in the capture and execution of Captain Joseph Thompson. The Manchester Regiment, it would seem, eventually got their revenge. Thanks for downloading this bonus centenary episode of the Historical Belfast podcast. Don't forget to share this episode and others that you've enjoyed on social media. It's a great help in getting the word out there and I would really appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode featuring Belfast comedian Tim McGarry, where we will be discussing all things history and comedy, so keep your eyes and ears open for that one.